This episode of Where to Begin With will feature heavy spoilers of the movie Memento from the year 2000. If you've never seen that movie before or you want to take part in this episode by submitting in a review, then please hit stop right now. Go away, check out the movie and pass me in your review. If, however, you have seen it before or you just don't care, continue to listen on. Don't say you weren't warned. I have this condition. A condition? It's my memory. Amnesia. No, 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 no. It's different from that. What? Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. If we talk for too long, I'll forget how we started. Next time I see you, I'm not going to remember this conversation. What's the last thing that you do remember? My wife. That's sweet. Dying. I guess I've already told you about my condition. Oh, well, only every time I see you. You don't remember where you've been or what you've just done. No, I can't make new memories. It's like waking. It's like you just woke up. When you find this guy, what are you going to do? I'm going to kill him. Maybe I can help you find him. Are you sure you want this? My wife deserves vengeance. Do not trust her. She's going to use you to protect herself. I think someone's me trying to get me to kill the wrong guy. You can question everything. You can never know anything for sure. Teddy, don't believe his lies. You wander around playing detective. Well, maybe you should start investigating yourself. Who did this to you? You did. I want my life. Why are you asking me? I can't remember what I've done. I have no short-term memory. Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. If we talk for too long, I'll forget how we started. The next time I see you, I'm not going to remember this conversation. <laughs> I don't even know if I've met you before. I've told you this before, haven't I? And welcome back to another episode of Where To Begin With. This is the fifth episode of season number three. In season number three, we're looking at Where To Begin With lens on neo-noir and film noir throughout the ages. The purpose of this series is to give you ten movies which will in some ways educate you, enlighten you, introduce and hopefully get you entertained and willing to stretch out further into the realms of these subgenres when we finish up. It's essentially me picking 10 movies from these subgenres and saying, you know what, they have qualities about them that if you can get behind and you enjoy, chances are the further you explore, you're going to have a good time. Now, upon this episode, we'll be looking at the debut feature film, from Christopher Nolan, who's went on to huge things, but started off by creating the bizarre um, reverse time structure film noir in Memento. We'll also be getting to your reviews of the previous film covered on Where to Begin With, which was the feature length debut of one Mr. Stanley Kubrick, who also started off in the film noir genre. There you go. Some people just getting their kicks by doing something a little bit gnarly, a little bit gritty, right at the start. 
So yeah, that's what is coming up on this episode. Now, this episode is dropping a bit late. I'm not entirely sure what week it is actually dropping overall. It has been recorded for a while at this point, so I will put this out just now. We are about to hit Podcasts Under the Stairs Summer Series, which will be an intensive 10 weeks of 40 episodes of podcast content. My intention is to still continue doing these, but what we'll probably do is give July a, a relatively... Well, we're almost out of July. We'll be August, essentially. We'll give most of the time free blame for the next episode where your reviews of Memento coming in at the end of August. So keep your eyes peeled for that. It gives you more time to get them in. Also brings us back in line with our schedule, ladies and gents. So let's get into it. Um, Memento is the film we're going to be talking about here. This is, like I say, this is the essentially the feature film debut of Christopher Nolan based on the screenplay that he wrote of the story created by his brother Jonathan Nolan. And essentially what you have in this one is a very typical noirish movie, but the conceit of this one or the interesting aspect is that what is done is shot in reverse. So you see the end of the film as the opening shot and where most movies would be like, you know, five days before and then you jump to there and you'd see to the points that lead up to this one. This movie does it in a different fashion. How it does it is jumps to essentially like 10 minutes before the scene that you just saw and then shows you up to that scene, then jumps to 10 minutes before that. The beauty of that delivery specifically is you, every 10 minutes feel like you've got a grip on characters' motivations, plot points, or, or a, a handle specifically on who the good guys, the bad guys are, or what is exactly going on. And then within the cycle to the 10 minutes before, you are then instantly flipped into a position where you're not entirely sure if what you're seeing is right, what the characters are actually doing, and you will flip throughout this movie constantly on whether or not you trust characters, um, dislike characters, or whether or not our main guy here, played by Kai Pierce, funnily enough, Leonard, is actually a reliable narrator. Now, the movie also uses interspersed between those 10-minute jumps uh, scene shot in black and white to pull you out. And this is a kind of narrative interview with um, with uh, Leonard taking you through the story of a tragic customer he dealt with. So he worked as a, essentially like an insurance um, investigator. Kind of think Fight Club, but not as gnarly. And his job was to go out and interview people to find loopholes to get out of of paying for, well, or get out of receiving insurance money. He was very good at his job as well. Very, very good at his job. Um, so he's talking about how his brain operated and that and how good he was doing. He keeps coming back to a specific story about one person that he had to deal with, Sammy. Um, and whilst this is happening you're then also following him in modern times he's a guy that suffers amnesia 
and he's trying to track down the person that murdered his wife, uh, attacked him, thus giving him amnesia. He does this uh, through a series of different people that are friends, acquaintances, or enemies of him. And his amnesia means he can remember everything up to the point of when she died, but he can't retain any short-term memories after that fact. So he tattoos clues on his body, uh, so he will remember. And on top of that as well, he takes Polaroids of everyone and writes notes on them. His best friend, maybe, is a guy called Teddy, uh, played by Joe Pantoliano, who's essentially helping him, question mark, uh, investigate the case. There are other people that he comes in contact with, uh, namely a particularly nasty piece of work, played by Carrie Ann Moss, who was, like, coming off that Matrix money at the time, so she was, like, she was big shit. Um, she plays a character called Natalie, who is one of the aforementioned characters that you will crisscross on like a motherfucker as you're watching this movie, as to her motivations. Now, I'm not going to spoil the end of this movie, or technically the beginning. Suffice to say, it ends up in a place that you may not expect, and one that I find infinitely fascinating as pertains to the loops that someone might go through or the... They always say that when you're embarking on a mission for revenge packed to shovels because ultimately you're digging the grave of the person that you're going to get revenge on but you're also digging the grave for yourself. Um, what would happen if you got said revenge but you couldn't retain the satisfaction of receiving it so that kind of hollow emptiness that people talk about that they got revenge and not being able to enjoy it or take pleasure in their acts imagine not being able to remember that at all um so yeah it's, it's a really 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 interesting concept now i remember when the movie came out I was a big fan of this one. I never in a million years thought that Nolan would go on to do what he did. But to be honest, Noir has been pretty much in his blood through quite a lot of his features. The idea of mystery and intrigue in particular. He followed up this movie by doing a, a movie called Insomnia, which has a fucking incredible performance by comedian Robin Williams, who plays, he was in that dark period of playing kind of more sinister roles as he is a serial killer in Alaska, and also stars Al Pacino as a cop sent out there, uh, maybe a bit fractured of the brain with a troubling um, home life, who is out there to solve this case at a time period where the sun doesn't set, so he, he's struggling with his sleep. It's a brilliant movie. And also lends to the kind of noirish qualities. Uh, movies like The Prestige certainly do as well. Um, maybe not fully in on the, the, the kind of crime mystery side of things, but certainly the aesthetic and the delivery. And even when he went on to do stuff like Inception, um, which is definitely a high concept noir movie, sci-fi noir movie, but even things like the Dark Knight movies, so the Batman ones as well, have a noirish quality to them. So I think it's something that he just has in his blood. Now, granted, he's moved away from that in recent times, but it certainly seemed to be the, the genre he cut his teeth on extensively, to be sure. So um, when this movie was released on DVD and all the subsequent releases afterwards, there was a ability to see the movie in linear fashion. So played from end to start 
which is by this movie's way of playing essentially the the, the chronological entry of how the movie's supposed to be watched. And it's at that point you realise that it is just a very basic, basic movie. It doesn't really do anything necessarily exceptional in the way that the story is told. But the device that they use in, in changing that and reversing the time structures, once again a technique used by Gaspar Noe in the movie Irreversible for different reasons though. Uh, Gaspar Noe like aims to use that as a plot device to almost challenge the audience to find out at what point the violence you see at the end of this movie is acceptable. Um, the more we learn about the character and his night, how it unfolded. And at some point, I think Noe's expecting you to say, oh, that's the point I would have done what happened at the end. So in the case of this one, it's not done that way at all. It's, if anything, setting up... Uh, a triggering point of working out why triggering is a pun here as to why things end the way they do or actually why things start the way they do so that's that's part of its charm for sure it is i mean it is a surprisingly confident movie for for a, a debut feature and it has all the nolanisms right here at the start it was pretty much from the gate just hammering out the the, the goods um so yeah that's that's Memento, I, I on any given day, it is one of my favourite films of the decade, of the 2000s. I think it's, it's kind of fucking incredible. But I like those weird little oddities that, you know, the big names, the directors that have went on to kind of dominate the last decade or two, where they kind of cut their teeth. Because um, they're really, really, really interesting. It was one of the reasons that we have already sat and discussed Brick. Um, it's the same sort of idea. These directors that have gone on to have hugely successful careers start off with these weird little noir movies. So yeah, that is Memento. And that is your challenge, ladies and gents. Um, I will be giving you details of how you can get involved with this upcoming episode and review Memento for where to begin with but before we get to that as always we've got a couple of reviews in it's the same players but also i'm kind of excited to get to this for sure now on the previous episode we covered the killing which was by stanley kubrick um so yeah i think this might have been a first watch for both tim and david garrett jr and we'll get to tim's review right now which says dear duncan and teapots collective folk up next for the film noir for Teapot's Collective is The Killing, directed by E. Young Stanley Kubrick. I had never heard of this one. I'd always thought his first movie was Passive Glory, though I still haven't seen that one either. So what were my thoughts after my first watch? The Killing has an impressive cast, including Sterling Hayden, who I recognise from Kubrick's later film Dr. Strangelove. Also in the cast are Elijah Cook Jr., who I think most horror fans should recognise as a drunk from House on Haunted Hill, as well as other horror flicks like Messiah of Evil, Salem's Law and Rosemary's Baby. Film noir fans might recognise him from two Humphrey Bogart films, The Big Sleep and The Maltese Falcon. Those, of course, are two of the most popular noir books and movies with the most popular detective Philip Marlowe and Sam Spade. Cook was a damn good character actor and I think he nearly steals the show from an equally great cast. Actually, the cast reminded me of the kind of character actors you see in the, the original Twilight Zone series from the early 60s. Not necessarily pretty people, but they all have strong faces and holy shit can they act. 
anything that reminds me of the Twilight Zone is doing just fine. So I can find no fault with the acting, and it's beautifully shot, though I'm sure the high definition transfer I saw on Amazon Prime certainly helped. I can find nothing wrong with the plot, it's a nice tight little story, and the dialogue wasn't delivered very well, but extremely well written. Okay, now the negatives. The main and possibly only one I can think of is it's a heist movie and I'm not just a fan. I don't like heist movies at all. I do love detective movies and stories, but almost all of them are murder mysteries. Heist and bank robberies, etc. just don't do anything for me. I find myself getting bored pretty easily and it's not my thing. Fortunately, like I said, the acting was top-notch and it was extremely well shot, so I wasn't too bored. Still, this just wasn't my kind of movie. I'd even go so far as to give it 3.5 stars out of 5, but I'm probably never going to watch it again. I'll stick to other detective films and other Kubrick films. Still, it's not a bad movie at all, so I'd recommend everyone giving it a go. Hopefully the next movie, Memento, will be at least a positive review. Believe it or not, despite hearing for it for many years on how good it is, I've never seen Memento. I'd just taken, I just hadn't taken time to see it. Well, until then, I say take care, stay safe, and stay away from the bald, ugly guy at the bar who apparently hulks out at every opportunity. Tim. Thanks very much, Tim. Uh, yeah, don't, well, listen. I know what you're like, hype plays a huge thing for you and going to movies and you've had years of people telling you, just go in and view Memento as a movie, put that hype to the side and I will be curious to see what you make because like I say, you strip away the techniques um, of how the story is delivered, it is a very A to B nuts and bolts noir movie but it's the way the story is told, so i.e. the direction and storytelling that really, for me, elevate it as a movie. So I'm very curious to see where you land on that. Right, let's get to our second and final review for The Killing. This one comes in from David Garrett Jr. And David says... Hello, Duncan and T-Puts Collective listeners. David Garrett Jr. here once again for where to begin with film noir and neo-noir films. And this time around, we're actually doing an interesting one that I had never heard of until you selected it, Duncan. But it's kind of interesting is because what piqued my interest was seeing that this was Stanley Kubrick that he directed and wrote the screenplay. This wasn't his first movie, but this is actually going to be the earliest one from him that I've seen as of now. And it's kind of interesting as well because he's one of my favorite directors of all time. So for this one, we are following Johnny Clay, who is portrayed by Sterling Hayden, as he gets a crew together to knock off a racetrack. This heist could be worth up to $2 million. He has different people he recruited for parts of what needs to be done. There is a police officer, a guy running one of the windows who takes bets, and a couple of guys to create diversions. What I like is that he doesn't tell everyone beyond what they need to know, and that's actually smart for a plan like this because, I mean, crimes tend to fall apart because somebody talks, so the less people that know things, the better. What is great here is that we're even seeing that the best laid plans, despite all of that and all the planning that goes into it, can fall apart. So to make this work, we need good acting. I think that's what we get. We have Hayden, who plays the leader of the crew, and I liked it. He is a guy that is interesting, as I know him from The Godfather, where he was a corrupt cop, and by then he was quite a bit older than what we get here. We have the likes of Alicia Cook Jr. in a supporting role, and he's one that I know from quite a different things like the original House on Haunted Hill and Salem's Lot. Now, we also have people helping them like Colleen Gray, J.C. Flippin, 
Ted D. Corsia, Marie Windsor, and Joe Sawyer, just to name some of the people that are in this movie. I would actually say they all play distinct characters that work for what this movie needed. So even though we aren't getting the most complex story here, how Kubrick tells the tale helps. The only issue that I had is I didn't really care for the narration. It felt a bit cheap, almost like this should be a television show. It doesn't ruin the movie for me, it's just it did take me out at different times. But what I did like, though, is telling the story out of order, and I've actually read somewhere that people like Quentin Tarantino were influenced possibly by this movie. So... Other than all that, I think the cinematography is also on point. It looks great, and I was intrigued to see how things would play out. And, I mean, the ending is interesting with how, like, things kind of fall apart there as well. I mean, everything kind of leads up to something like that, but it is interesting when our main character has something he didn't account for, and then this ends up getting him busted. But this is an above-average movie for me with this first viewing, and it's interesting to see an early work of a legend like this director here in Kubrick, and this is one that I will definitely come back to at some point as well. So, Duncan, my rating here for The Killing as another one that I did enjoy for this series is going to be a 3.5 out of 5 on the T-Put scale. And, Duncan, I'm glad that you are selecting Memento as the next one. Didn't even really necessarily think about this being a neo-noir, but... I'm excited to revisit this one because I haven't seen it since college and actually this is on the IMDb top 100 poster that my wife got me a couple years ago and her and I are working through it. So this is a reason to move that movie up and actually give that one a watch. Can't wait to hear everybody else's thoughts on The Killing and the next episode as well. This is David Garrett Jr. and I am signing off. And thanks very much to David Garrett Jr. for submitting in his review. Very curious to see what you make of Memento as well, considering it has been so long for you since viewing. Right, there we go. That's the show. Uh, your homework assignment, if you choose to accept it, is a review of Memento. What we are looking for in your Memento review is into me no later than Monday the 22nd of August. That gives you about four weeks. Monday the 22nd of August. The episode will be a dropping on Friday the 26th. So Monday the 22nd of August is what I'm looking for for your review episode drops Friday the 26th. In terms of our sixth episode, oh, here we go. You, uh, interestingly enough, uh, hit the nail on the head, Tim, in your review. I'm going classic. I'm going with top tier. I'm going with what is widely regarded as one of the finest examples of film noir ever made. We will be sitting down and doing The Maltese Falcon by the great director John Huston, who you should all know as uh, the guy behind such great movies as Beat the Devil, Moby Dick, and of course, um, A Walk with Love and Death. Yeah, we are doing John Huston's I mean, like I say, I can't stress enough, this is like when, when you talk about the genre that is film noir, Maltese Falcon is considered like top three. So we're finally getting to that one, putting that one to bed. And I'm very much looking forward to revisiting that movie. It's been a long time since I saw it. So Maltese Falcon, the next one up on the next episode of Where to Begin With, looking at film noir and neo-noir. And your reviews of Memento due in on Monday, the 22nd of August. That episode will be dropping Friday the 26th. As always, please check out all the shows on the Teapots Collective where it's doing the nasty Chronicle or a little bit of Opera Omnia. Um, I'm doing all this disparate stuff 
to give people a chance to experience different styles uh, and different aspects of films that I enjoy. So hopefully you are enjoying them as well. All that's left for me to say is please take care of yourselves. Thanks for the patience in this episode coming out. And I look forward to speaking to you at the end of next month. Take care and bye.